the free for all roundtable round two on round two today richard kraus is here host of the podcast a last call with richard kraus robert benzie queens park bureau chief at the toronto star and sunira chaudhry is an employment lawyer at workly law let's actually start with the culture wars might as well continue continue on a theme and this is the education minister saying parents deserve to know about what kind of identity their kids have at school. And uh, let me start with Robert Benzie, because you've probably covered this story in person. Um, I do believe that parents need to know what's going on in their kids' lives. But if a kid is keeping something a secret from their parents, maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah, that's a very good point, uh, John. And this, of course, has been a very, very big issue in New Brunswick and Saskatchewan. Hasn't been here the same. Um, And the government isn't legislating it. Uh, Stephen Lecce was asked this question at a press conference yesterday about back to school. Um, it wasn't it doesn't like this is a, this is a, a, a an issue that the government particularly wants to uh, wants to challenge. But yeah, this is a very delicate situation because there are some kids who are, are maybe don't feel comfortable telling their parents uh, what's going on in their lives and for lots of different reasons. So this is a very tricky one. And I, I was surprised that uh, the minister wait, weighed in, but I think he was trying to be as ambiguous as possible in the sense that he wasn't saying we're going to do anything, uh, <laughs> legislate anything. I think he just said, look, we have to understand that uh, that uh, that kids have to be kept safe, but the parents have to be kept informed. So it's a it's a tricky play for them, though. It is. In Sonera, you know, people have been asking, when is a parent ever wrong? Parents are wrong all the time. As a matter of fact, parents have been instructed by the courts to allow their kids to have medical procedures, blood transfusions when the parents decline. So it's not as cut and dried as some people would think. Not at all. And but I think I think certainly the education minister here has taken the pulse of society. I think there there have been polling done recently that suggests that the majority of people do believe that parents should be involved. So I think it's certainly smart to take that position. But I think uh, also that if we don't have parents involved, that means we're leaving all of our trust in the education system to manage um, any of the issues that might come up, especially if if parents and and the family unit is not involved in supporting a child who might be non-conforming. And so my concern there is that we have a lot of issues with the public education system and I think to the extent private education systems as well. And to suggest that there's going to be no, there's going to be zero accountability because schools have no reporting system there's no there's no check and balance that is really what suggests to me that there should be some sort of transparency here that there should be parental involvement because if if not we're leaving it all in the schools and there's zero transparency if we do that richard kraus after a while he become perplexed by the number of people who are full of bellicose opinions about something that has no you know they have no familiarity with because it's never happened to them it's never been in their lives they don't know anybody i have to think this you know gender pronoun thing is going to be a pretty rare occurrence that the parents and the kid haven't had a long conversation about it for a good long time I think that that's probably true. And um, I agree with both Robert and Sanira on this. I think that uh, 
it, it's Lache was being kind of ambiguous in his language yesterday. But I do think that uh, parents have to be involved. But if that involves counseling, if uh, the child uh, is um, forward enough to say in school, this is how I want to be referred to. This is who I am. Uh, but my parents won't accept that. Then perhaps there's got to be a way uh, to make that happen. And there are safeguards in school. There are counseling. There are there are programs uh, for people, for children who are having a, a tough time at home. So let's expand that a little bit uh, and make sure that everyone is included under the umbrellas of the existing programs just to make sure that everyone is safe. But I, I do think that the parents have a right to know. But I think that they also need there need to be guardrails on this as well. Uh, let's stick with stuff at Queens Park for $200, Alex. And again, I'll come back to Robert <laughs> Benzi here. Um, this story, the Integrity Commissioner says his investigation uh, into the Greenbelt business is going to start with the housing minister. Okay. Um, seems like a natural place to start. Yeah. I mean, the the, the thing is, uh, the uh, John, that J. David Wake's investigation into Steve Clark's uh, moves on the Greenbelt has been going on since January. And then, of course, earlier this month, uh, the premier's office asked J. David Wake to look into um, uh, Ryan Amato's behavior. Um, and that was a recommendation in uh, from the Auditor General's board. Amato, of course, is uh, Steve Clark's former chief of staff, who was the one who personally selected the uh, the, the Greenbelt lands that were removed, uh, the, the, the 14 of the 15 parcels that were removed from the green belt. So this is kind of a very complicated situation that's ongoing. And then we see this morning, Premier Ford uh, issuing a statement that he may, uh, he's not happy to hear that some land is already being flipped, the land that was rezoned, that is allowed to be developed, and then it's it's up for sale. And that government is not happy about that. So it's a very... Um, fast moving story and it's a and it's a big problem for the tories they've, they've got a big uh, headache on their hands speaking of real estate uh, great column by the arch architecture critic at the globe and mail today about exhibition place and he says 50 weeks a year if it's not an auto race or the x it's just dead and we've got to come up with a plan uh richard you've probably spent some time down there do you have mm -hmm. big dreams of what it could be well, I, I suppose so. I suppose I have big dreams of what it could be, but it's been like this since I've lived in Toronto for the last 40 years. There's really nothing down there. And even if you do plop a nightclub in the middle of it, uh, when you get out of the nightclub, you're in the middle of nowhere if it's February and, and you're <laughs> on the, the CNE grounds. I mean, there, what it would take to redevelop that, to turn it into a, a thriving community is a total rebuild. You'd have to i think there's room down there put condos down there build a new liberty village you know put something down there that uh you know services people helps with affordable housing helps with housing in general uh and then we can you know keep the legacy of the cne in there somewhere but man it, there's just nothing there and it's been that way forever there's it's it's never been uh, a place that you would go for you know 50 weeks of the year. Yeah, Sunira, uh, we were talking on round one that almost every town and city has a fairground that they use once a year for about two weeks, and then it is it just sits there. I mean, they have one in Ottawa, uh, and we certainly, the fairground here, I mean, it's not even a great place for cycling. Sure, John, but it's usually, you know, I think a lot of cities have that, but it, it might be closer to like a, an industrial or a mall-type parking lot, not in a 
in, in sort of the jewel location of the city. When I used to live on King West and every weekend I would go out running around the Ontario Place CNE sort of area and absolutely deserted um, except for other runners or folks riding their bikes. There isn't a through way, so it's not easy for cars to even sort of navigate that area. But even if you wanted to stop for uh, at a cafe or have a coffee or get a bottle of water. I mean, absolutely nothing there to buy. No consumerism whatsoever. Hasn't been touched, but beautiful views of the CN Tower, beautiful views of the lake. So it is confusing why it hasn't been tapped into. I know it does have a complicated past, but I know a lot of people are going to the X uh, right now, seeing how great that that land you know could be. But I think before we talk about tackling that that huge amount of, of acreage, I think it's 127 acres, the infrastructure there, I mean, we all know getting to the X or spending mm-hmm. time at the X is great. Getting there isn't great. So if we can't increase, you know, the infrastructure to support that area, we can't talk about developing it quite yet. Okay. And last word, Robert Benzie, it comes to mind that we're so busy screwing up Ontario Place, maybe we shouldn't turn our eyes anywhere else. Well, I mean, this is the thing that surprised me about the piece, actually. It goes on about what how something needs to be done at, at the X. And I, I agree with Sanira. I spent a lot of the pandemic wandering around like a zombie in the exhibition grounds and Ontario Place grounds, all of which are fallow, frankly. And, uh, and, and yet the piece doesn't really address... Ontario Place, which is just across the lakeshore, basically, from from the exhibition. So, um, I mean, I, I think for sure we need to look at these places. You can't just leave them as 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 fallow kind of parking lots or or, or fields. So uh, something has to be done. My first job, actually, John, was as, as a gate guard at the exhibition in 1983 or something like that oh. for for three four sixty five an hour, I think I earned, which I still remember to this day. And you had to punch, I had to punch a clock and everything. So it, uh, it was quite it was quite a job. Let me tell you. No, and, uh, and the, the yeah. X has not changed since then. No, no the X hasn't changed in one hundred and fifty years. Uh, just no. before I let you guys go, um, Robert Benzi, what does it feel like to have been turned into a meme? There is a picture of you at a presser with the premier, and you've got this incredible expression <laughs> on your face, and everybody's been captioning it and sharing it. I was just saying to Sanira that it's just my resting scowl face. You know, I come by it honestly. That's how I always look. Doesn't matter which politician from which political party is uh, is talking. I, 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 you know, resting journalist face. Yeah, no, I do the same thing. Although, <laughs> interestingly enough, I think it was Joe Cristiano, the producer here, who observed that um, whenever I interview a mayoral candidate or somebody like that, I have exactly the same expression. So you don't know which ones I like and don't like. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all. Good to have you today. That's Richard Krauss, Robert Benzie, Sunira Chaudhry. And uh, that's our time. My thanks. Whole teams back in their seats today. Nick Marano, Joe Cristiano, and I'll be back tomorrow morning. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.